Hello, and welcome to Rewired, a brand new podcast. Whether you are a baby boomer or a millennial, planning ahead or already enjoying retirement, this show is designed to inspire your imagination with helpful information to invite you to live your best life. And now, here's our host, Duchess Dale. It is Rewired, episode number 11. Uh, Turn up the volume to 11, as they said in the film Spinal Tap. (laughs) If you're new to the podcast, what we do in this show is offer information and inspiration that I hope invites your imagination to rewire your idea of what is possible in our graying, silver, golden, or platinum years. And this month of May, which has been Mental Health Awareness Month, we've been focusing on ideas and tips that support mental well-being. Mental and emotional well-being is way more than the absence of a mental illness. It is essential to overall health and your quality of life. And two weeks ago, when I did the episode entitled Mental Health is Mental Wealth, Since then, (laughs) I have seen in articles or seen and heard on television people using that phrase kind of casually, and I'm thrilled because what that means to me is that it is now being saturated into the overall consciousness of our culture, that it's okay to not be okay, and it's even more okay to seek out support when you're not feeling 100%. And I wanted to let you know a couple of tips that I just learned. Did you know that Costco members, now I don't know if you're a member of Costco, some people can, some people aren't, but you might know someone who is. Costco members get exclusive discounts on popular medications for depression, anxiety, or mood disorders. That could be really helpful and cost-effective. Did you know that Medicare Part B, the insurance, helps pay for outpatient mental health services, such as they offer one depression screening per year and certain individual or group psychotherapy with doctors or other licensed professionals, depending upon the state where you live, of course. Family counseling, they offer testing to find out if you're getting the services you need, a psychiatric evaluation, medication management, There is a one-time welcome to Medicare preventative visit, and that will include a review of your possible risk factors for depression. There is also a yearly wellness visit, so you can talk to your doctor or your other healthcare provider about any changes in your mental health since your last visit. And that can be really important, particularly as we do get older and um, all of us change, not just the physicality of getting older, but we change inside as well. So if you know someone who could benefit from this information, please help to share that or just share the podcast information because we stream on most of the platforms. And if you want, you can go on to the medicare.gov site, or if you know someone right now who is in crisis, call or text 988 or chat at 988lifeline.org, 988-L-I-F-E-L-I-N-E.org. Perhaps this recent Memorial Day weekend, you took some time to remember a loved one. 
and maybe remembering that loved one might just be the inspiration you needed to tell your story about them. <laughs> With that in mind, it sets the stage for this week's guest, Sarah Rowan. Now, in addition to her award-winning memoir, Gumbo Tales, Finding My Place at the New Orleans Table, you could find her teaching, writing, editing, coaching. Now she has a new blog, and she dabbles a lot in storytelling, which is what inspired today's topic title, Tell Me a Story. She holds a copy editing certificate from UC San Diego and currently is teaching life story writing at the San Luis Obispo Cuesta College Emeritus Program. And that is where our paths connect. Well, hello, Sarah. I'm so glad you agreed to do this interview. Welcome to Rewired. Thank you, Duchess. It's a pleasure to be here. You may or may not know that May is Older Americans Month, and I thought that was a perfect time to interview you to talk about what your classes offer older Americans, because I admit I'm privileged to be one of your students, and I think most of your students do seem to be of an older age. And what you offer, suggest, and teach, I think is really vital for those of us that are down that path. Can you talk to us about that? Sure. So I teach um, classes called Composing Your Life Story. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are many different ways to approach writing your life stories. Um, but yeah, I mean, there have been a lot of studies. There have been a lot of studies that have shown the value of writing life stories at any age. Um, it's been shown that, you know, reviewing our lives mm -hmm. um, and that could be through stream of consciousness journaling that could be through like really structured essays. Um, but doing a life review has uh, provable psychological and even physical health benefits. Um, and, you know, the old, no matter what age um, you engage with that. At, and, you know, for the older we get, the more uh, sort of boost <laughs> we benefit from to both our psychological and physical well-being. Um, and, and so you probably know because you've taken my classes that um, you can kind of feel that happening. <laughs> Even as you're writing your life stories a lot of the time. And, and I will say that there's a difference. There's a man at the University of Chicago who has studied um, the benefits of life story writing and, and even journaling. Um, and he makes a distinction between uh, writing uh, what could be called contamination stories and what can be called redemptive stories. So sometimes... Hmm. Um, and, you know, you can probably guess which one has more benefit. Um, <laughs> contamination stories where we really dwell on the negative aspects of everything we've done in our lives don't, you know, that's not necessarily the best way to um, improve your mental and physical health. Although <laughs> I, agree. I would argue that there's benefit to that too. But some using a contamination story or writing about the negative in order to get to the positive is probably the best way to go about it. I just mm -hmm. want to point out that it's 
it's not always there's some there's benefit to the qual the benefits um are attached to the quality of writing as well and i don't mean the i don't mean quality like good writing bad writing but um positive writing versus negative writing does that make sense it does make sense and um for me when when my dear friend joy first introduced me to your class and she referenced it as writing your memoir and i i kind of blanched at that thinking ah memoir who am i and why would anyone care and memoir seems so you know allocated just for celebrities and yet having taken the class for a long time now i it's not just that glossy kind of thing it is as you say a life story or as even Jane Fonda talks about, speaking of celebrities, she calls it a life review to look at the patterns or the mistakes or the triumphs. And I believe that's one of the things that you foster your students with is writing that side of it, whether it has a little bit of contamination or a little bit of redemption. Yeah. And, you know, I think I'll I'll clarify a little bit like when I say contamination story, I don't mean that we should never write about the negative parts of our past. Um, I actually think that's pretty important, but it can really benefit us, I think, mental health wise. And um, and then we have like, you know, mental health and physical health are so connected to um, like, let's say, for example, um, we had a really tough relationship with a parent mm-hmm. and um and so i would never suggest that we shouldn't write about all like everything all the in the ins and outs the positives and negatives of the relationship with that parent um but if we don't get to the point of also exploring what we've learned from that wow. or leaning into the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm able to write this story now because I survived that, or, <laughs> you know, or um, I'm able to be, you know, a functional part of society, or I'm able to be a better parent, or I'm able to be a good partner um, to, you know, to my spouse or my significant other because of the ways that I triumphed over that, you know, that's like, mm-hmm. Getting to the redemptive part of the story is the important part. Um, but I think, you know, you have to climb over some some of <laughs> the contamination to get there. <laughs> yes, sometimes we do. And we have in class. And and what you've also taught me in class is the you've given your students a lot of permission. And uh, I mean, for for one thing, you you can you put out a weekly prompt to help those who are not comfortable with writing to come up with some ideas. You've also given us permission to write about what's on our minds and hearts and that you've you've made it comfortable for me. It's like you can write about it, but doesn't mean you have to publish all of that, but perhaps address it so that you can navigate your way through the path that you just described. Yeah, well, good. I mean, I'm glad that you've gotten that out of it. And I'll address the difference between, um, because some listeners might find confusion in the difference between life story and memoir writing. Um, yes, I, I kind of, um, so my, my, the name of my class was named before I took it over. <laughs> so I can't take credit for that. And <laughs> honestly, uh, I've written a memoir. Um, I wrote, uh, 
a book about a very specific time in my life when I lived in New Orleans and fell in love with that city through its uh, food and culture. Mm. Mm -hmm. So that made me qualified to teach this class, but um, I didn't know, I'd never heard that term life story writing before I like applied for the job. And now that I'm leading that class, I tend to use those terms, those terms kind of interchangeably because some people are more comfortable with the term life story writing. And some people are more comfortable with the idea of writing memoir. Um, and I think, you know, everybody has their own reasons for that. Um, I do think sort of in the literary world, the term memoir uh, is um, more limited than life story writing. Like if you talk mm -hmm. to somebody who's in an, you know, teaching in an MFA program or teaching a strictly memoir writing class, memoir does tend to connote the idea of uh, writing about just like a limited time, you know, not not your whole life story, not from beginning to end, but um, like focusing on like one theme of your life or one time of your life. Not that you can't include stories from um, your entire life timeline in a memoir, but it tends to be a little bit more limited. Whereas I think life story writing is a is looser. You know, there's more that falls under that umbrella, but I <laughs> I kind of use them interchangeably in, in my classes, partly because, um, as you know, there are people who take my class who are working on books, mm -hmm. who are working on memoirs, and that's what they write about every week. And they actually tend to not follow my writing prompts. <laughs> they use the class as motivation and as just sort of like to generate inspiration. Um, and then there are other people who take my class who follow the prompts every week who are writing like their life stories for their family members or for themselves. Uh -huh. I have who are writing this stories just for themselves. They don't in intend to ever publish, um, you know, or maybe they're just intend to publish um, a collection of stories for their family at a certain point. So the, I have students who are writing memoir for publication and students who are um writing just for their family and other students who are writing just for themselves. Well, when I went onto your, your website, sarahrowan.com, I was looking at the newsletter and it's called Memoir, Memories on the Page. And you, you have at the top, I believe, a quote from uh, someone I didn't know. I believe Maybe it's an author, William Kinzer. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And I thought it was so appropriate for the show for Older Americans Month. Uh, when you write your family history, be a recording angel and record everything your descendants might want to know, end quote. And I thought that was a wonderful, another invitation for people to perhaps look at the idea of writing a life story, whether they publish it in, in you know, in, in the real world outside or not, uh, but to have it to pass on to the children and grandchildren or other relatives. And I think that's what you, you, offer in the class and it's also on your website is that correct um what's on my website um prompts and ideas is that from the newsletter or oh so i keep a blog i post uh twice a week on on my blog called memories on the page um and one of the posts one of the weekly posts is um 
like a tip or a lesson or a rumination on some aspect of uh, memoir and life story writing. And then the second is um, a writing prompt. And I'm working up to self-publishing a book, which will be a collection of those, a collection of those. So I'm doing that for a year and then um, I'll self-publish a book. Um, Yeah. So I'd like to address that uh, because this is what I'd like your listeners to know if you let me be a little bit bossy about this. But what you you just said about, um, you know, there are people who many, many people, I probably most people think, you know, why would I write my stories down? Who would care? And Mm -hmm. to those people, I would say that every single one of those people is wrong (laughs) who thinks that. And um, I would encourage, you know, listeners who might have like a little bit of a spark of an interest in writing their stories to think about all the things they wish they knew about their parents or their grandparents or their aunts or their uncles um, the people who in, you know, from their lives who are no longer around. Um, mm. And like what a sort of sadness it is not to know, you know, sometimes we wish we knew facts and other times we wish we knew motivations and we can never access that. We, that knowledge is lost to us if somebody hasn't written it down. And I'm sure that everybody listening has experienced that feeling like, God, I wish I could ask my mom this one, this one last thing, or my, mm-hmm. gran- my grandparent or my aunt or some other important person in our lives. And um, like, you are that person for someone else. Like, oh. we are all that person for at least one other. I mean, th- yeah. And that alone um, could be motivation to write our stories um you know sometimes if if we're you know memoirists who intend to publish we're that person for a lot of people our audience is much broader but even if it's just comes down to like writing the basic facts um there is someone in your life who's going to be really grateful that you did that and if you don't like if you don't write your stories, no, like no one else can. You're literally the only person unless you unless somebody interviews you. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I I encourage I. You know me, I'm a, I'm a huge believer that we all have stories to tell, but that's not just like that's just not just something I say to try to make writers feel good about themselves. It's something I I truly believe in and know in my gut. I mean. My mom died when she was 62 and it was her illness was pretty short and very unexpected. She was like the healthiest person any of us knew Um, and very vibrant and full of life. And she got one of those cancers that like isn't detectable until it's the end, basically. And um, and I had like my family was pretty close, like they close in quotes. Um, it's not like we sat around having deep conversations all the time, but we had like a very good, uh, informal, lovely relationship. We liked each other's company and I really kicked into gear when she was sick and tried to think of all the things I was going to want to know when she was gone. And I recorded her telling some stories, um, 
And like every single day since then, I have thought of something that I wish I would have asked her. Oh. And- <laughs> I'm glad this isn't video because like I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm getting uh, a little emotional here. Please I mean, on. I so wish that she, I mean, she wrote nothing. She wrote me letters. I'll, I'll say that. And I'm, I mean, I'm such a terrible daughter. I didn't save all of them, but I, I have some, so that that's a gift. Um, but anyway, so believe me, my mom was someone who never would have thought that writing down her stories would benefit anyone. And she would be totally, sorry, Duchess, she would have been totally wrong. And everybody listening who's thinking that of themselves is wrong. Um, So that's (laughs) that's my little soapbox. And then, I mean, I know that like I have students who don't have children um, and who don't have even like, you know, nieces or nephews that they're close to. Um, and number one, that doesn't mean that there's nobody who's going to benefit from their stories. But if there's anybody listening, who's trying to talk themselves out of it by saying like, well, I don't have children and I don't have nieces and nephews. Like, well, what about yourself? Like what about those like psychological and, uh, physical health benefits? Um, so, uh, yes, yes, yes. I have so many things in between the tears. Now I'm going to go. Uh, uh, mm, I, I agree. And I I would have found myself in a lot of the things that you just said. But one of the things I want to bring out, because it, it impacted me, so maybe someone listening, is that they think they have to be writers, whether they're writing a life story or a memoir. And I think that some of what you make, definitely what you make safe in the class, is that the students don't have to be writers, authors, to be able to share their life story, their memoir. And when you just said letters, I was thinking, wow, even if folks started crafting letters to themselves, to family members, to the the universe, that that is part of what you're promoting. Is that does that sound right? Yeah, I mean, again, this is going to sound uh, maybe um, insincere <laughs> because <laughs> uh, it doesn't let anybody off the hook. But um, I truly believe, like the the only thing you need to do to be a writer is to write one sentence. Like if you write a sentence you are literally a writer (laughs) and if you um can't write because you haven't learned to um you know you didn't have schooling and and you aren't uh quote-unquote literate when it comes to like writing a sentence we all I mean we have unbelievable software at our fingertips like Mm. if you have a computer or a smartphone you can speak to text your stories. And I, I don't have any students that I know of who like can't write a sentence at all, but Mm -hmm. I have uh, one student who can't type because she has a neurodegenerative degenerative disease and she does voice to text. Oh, wonderful. Um, And then she has somebody help her clean it up. And I have another student who is dyslexic Mm -hmm. And she has 
she has since started writing things down more, but when um, she first started taking my class, she was very self-conscious about how she was not very good at spelling or punctuation. And she would do voice to text a lot. I think she, I think she's become a believer in herself through, through the process of um, taking this, my class for a few years. And I think she does actually type more now, but um so, and you know, if you have listeners who don't know what voice to text is like, I'll just say like on my smartphone, <clears throat> I have an, I have a notes app, but you can even do this in your email or in your texting app where on the keyboard, there's a little microphone mm-hmm. and you just press the microphone and you speak into your phone. My computer can also do that. Um, and and, you know, it helps to speak very clearly and enunciate very clearly in order to be like understood by your little robot. Um, but that is a possible way of writing a story for people who, for whatever reason, um, are intimidated by the act of writing with their hands or who can't write with their hands. I think that that that's really helpful um, because as you say, some of the physical or mental challenges that might do that, as well as some people who feel like if they stop to write, they lose the flow of the muse. Mm-hmm. So I just recording into the smartphone or the computer, even though one of those, remember those old fashioned little tape recorders <laughs> that right. by doing that and you can transcribe it and uh, do it later. So I agree with you. Well, you now know you, you've kind of won me over and I'd love for you to share with the listeners about the class because primarily this podcast is for the state of New Mexico. It's sponsored by the Aging and Long-Term Services Department of New Mexico. However, it's streaming nationally, internationally. And uh, my listeners may be surprised that I'm taking your class, which is in California, basically, where you are. So could you talk about the class? Sure. So the class I teach, Composing Your Life Story, is offered through my local community college, Cuesta College. Um, and I I honestly don't know the ins and outs of funding, but um, it's funded by the state of California, from what I understand. And, and I'm not sure exactly uh, the mechanism for that. Um, but before COVID, before the pandemic, my classes met in person. And that was a limiting factor. Like only people who lived in my area could take the classes. Um, when when the entire world went online, uh, the classes started being offered online and Cuesta has welcomed people. So we meet over Zoom. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 I'll just say for, you know, any listener who's intimidated by that idea, I'll let you know that like I have yet to have a student who I couldn't teach how to get onto Zoom. Everybody, <laughs> everybody has the capacity to learn how to do that. Um, and so I started, so students from other parts of the country started taking class. I've had a couple students who I met in person and then they have since moved outside of California. Oh. Like one of my students um, lives in Texas. The student who, you know, who lives in Texas, she, I used to be in a classroom with her. And then oh. I have a student who moved during the pandemic to Massachusetts. Um, you were able to join Duchess. I have siblings from Wisconsin. <laughs> and uh, 
they actually they're from Wisconsin. They live in different places now. But um, so that's been really great. And I will also say that the classes are geared toward older adults and mm-hmm. uh, West to College considers older 50 and older. Uh, oh. I actually consider 50 old myself. So I put older <laughs> and older in quotes, but um, I've had younger students take the class and that's fine. They don't ask for your birth date and then cut you off if you're younger <laughs> Um, and so we, we meet over zoom and I have to say that I'm really surprised by the intimacy that, uh, is possible over the Mm -hmm. zoom platform. Um, I miss seeing people in person and I especially miss the, um, the kind of like, uh, relationship building, things that happen when you chit chat before and after class and during class break. Like, I think that it's a real shame that we don't get to do that because people form friendships and, um, and you know, that you kind of get more dimensions to your relationship that way. But what I love over zoom and why I'm really reluctant to go back in person is that, um, everybody can hear that was a real problem in the classroom, especially in the larger classes. Uh, like I had a class with like 30 people around one table and it was really hard to hear. I mean, it was hard for some people to hear because they have aging ears, but I mean, it was harder. It was hard for me to hear even when I was able to like circulate around the room. Like it was just a big space and um, and, you know, when we're on Zoom, we can turn our volume up, we can turn our volume down. Um, it's also great to be able to like take a break when you need to without disrupting mm-hmm. with, without disrupting your classmates. You can just turn off your Zoom microphone and turn off your video and go use the restroom or take your dog out or answer your doorbell or get a snack. You can also like it as you know, Duchess. It can get um, it can get intense sometimes to hear other people's stories. Yes. Uh, there are some difficult topics. I mean, we all have had difficult times in our lives and sometimes it can be emotionally difficult to hear other people's tougher stories. And it can often be like way more intense for the listener than the reader, because whoever has written the story has already gotten to a point of processing (laughs) the story that they're able to like write it down and share it. And so a lot of times it is more difficult for the listener Um, and you can turn off, I encourage my students to turn off their sound, turn off their video, take a break if they need to. So anyway, uh, you asked me about the classes. So the classes take place over zoom and those are some of the benefits to being on zoom. You can also like, like, I feel like I'm really making eye contact with you right now. (laughs) And I are on zoom right now. And that's sometimes like a false sense. (laughs) Sometimes the person on zoom that you think you're making contact with may not actually be looking into your eyes as well, but it feels that way. And that, um, that's also a little bit different from the classroom experience. It's sometimes harder to look into some, a person's eyes when they're right there in front of you than it is over zoom. So those are all the benefits. Now I, every week, um, the, the classes are weekly and they're on a semester schedule because they're associated with the community college. And every week I, write some form of a lesson and a writing prompt. Mm -hmm. 
every student gets that material. Um, we may or may not cover that material during class. Like I'm technically the teacher, but my students have taught me <laughs> that what they want is to prioritize sharing their writing during the classroom time. And so that's what we do. Students come to class um, with writing to share and they read their writing aloud. And we generally get, unless somebody asks for constructive feedback, we generally give like um, enthusiastic feedback. And mm -hmm. then um, the next person shares. And so that tends to take up most of the class time in most of my classes is the student sharing. I will say that there are students who almost never share. <laughs> that doesn't mean that they never write. There are people who take the class who really benefit from hearing other people's stories and they benefit from being part of a writer's group, but they aren't as comfortable as others sharing their writing. And then there are students who share every single week um, because that's the kind of writer and, and uh, participant they are. So, so um, when um, I know we're, you're on summer break yeah. and um, I know you often have two or three classes a week, one in the morning, at least afternoon and in the evening. So if someone wanted to find out about these classes, how would they contact you? To, and I don't, and I think the next class is in June. Is that correct? Mid-June? Yeah, we have a short six-week summer semester okay. that starts the week of uh, June 13th. And so during the summer, I'm teaching, well, I'm actually teaching three classes. Um, so the classes I've been talking about so far are free. That's a very Wait, did you hear that, folks? Free. <laughs> very important detail. I get paid, um, but it's a it, they are free for the student. And during the summer, those free classes are on Tuesday mornings and Wednesday evenings. And the exact time depend on your time zone. For me, I'm on Pacific Standard Time in California. Um, it's Tuesday from 10 a.m. to noon <clears throat> Pacific time. And Wednesday evening, 6 to 8.30 p.m. And I know that sounds like a long class, but we always fill the time. Um, and again, it's not me lecturing the entire time. It's a very, it's a communal experience. Now, this summer, I'm also teaching um, a Thursday evening class that's also six weeks. And that is only an hour long. And that is me talking. And it's fundamentals of life story writing. And I'm going to go through the fundamentals of uh, like, this is for people who um, want to know how to tips and motivations for starting their life stories, but they're not interested in necessarily in taking a class where they share their stories aloud. I'm going to be presenting material for probably 45 minutes each class. And then we'll do a, you know, have question and answers for 15 minutes. And that um, is not free. And uh, I will, I'm, I'm sorry that I don't remember exactly how much, <laughs> else, but I'll look that up right now. <laughs> While you're looking that up, I'm going to encourage the listeners because they can contact you about more information of what you do with writing and teaching at sarahrowan.com. Let me spell that for listeners. 
That is S-A-R-A-R-O-H-E-N dot com. R-O-A-H-E-N. Oh, R. thank you. R-O-A. Okay. S-A-R-A-R-O-A-H-E-N. Thank you. Is yeah. that Celtic? It's Irish. It used to be O-Rowan. So it's oh. Roa Hen is Roa how Hen. phonetic. Oh, love it now. Thank you so much. Didn't know we had that. <laughs> no so, wonder I like you. I just found the information. So my Thursday evening class, um, which is again, like, I don't want to say lecture because I'm not lecturing, but like a presentation class that begins um, June 8th and it's six, six weeks, $80. Um, and we'll cover things from, you know, the first class will be just how and where to begin your life stories. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll talk about timelining, family trees, and other ways to organize your life stories. Um, We'll talk about the dynamics of writing about family members and other loved ones. Um, So that kind of thing. Great. And so whether it's that six-week summer course, which is $80, or the uh, Composing Your Life Story classes that start the week of June 12th, which are free, if they contact you on your website, there's a contact spot you can help them navigate how to register and which one they're interested in that's right awesome and i would love some more new mexico students i love new mexico i went to college in new mexico i was just going to say you should share it with people about your college you know that you went to college here was that saint john's i did yeah i went to saint john's college in santa fe um saint john's has two campuses i was on the the campus in annapolis maryland for my first three years and then i spent my senior year in santa fe and i loved it so much that i stayed a second year um and my husband husband went there too it's very much new mexico is very much a place of our hearts oh we love we love hearing that So as we wrap up for today, because I'm I'm so excited to have you here, not only because I'm I'm a fan of yours as your student, also because I believe that what you're suggesting, offering, what you encouraged and invited us to do is really what this podcast is about. You know, we're rewiring our beliefs and ideas to reframe our life. And what better way to reframe our life than to maybe re-edit our lives by writing our life story? So is the, are there any parting words that you'd like to give to the listeners? Um, oh my gosh, there's so much, but <laughs> I, <laughs> there's so much. I would like to say that I think that that reframing is, uh, that is re- not everyone who writes their life stories reframes their life. Some people write down the facts and that's enough um, for them and for their readers, but other people do, um, it's almost like I, I really try to discourage the idea that life story writing is a replacement for therapy. I don't think it is. I do tons of life story writing and I really need a therapist <laughs> in my life. And so I don't think that, um, they're the same thing, but I do know that, reframing um, the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves um, by looking at our lessons learned and looking at, you know, 
how we survived and how we maybe changed patterns in our lives and in our, in our, um, you know, generational patterns even can be, um, looking at, yeah, looking at the ways that we, um, have made good decisions and learn from our mistakes can like be so valuable. It can, and sometimes we can think about our, you know, tell ourselves our stories in our heads and not come to a different conclusion in the same way that you can do on the page. Mm. Really found that to be true. Like, um, you know, there have been times when I've just, I've had stories that I've told myself, you know, for about, you know, let, let's just say like childhood trauma. Um, and, you know, I tell, I've told those stories to myself in my own head and million, a million different times over the course of time and not come to very satisfying conclusions. And when I've taken those stories to the page, and really explored on the page, um, not only the facts of what I've been through, but then looked at like how I've survived it. It, I get further along in the story. Like I get more to the reframing part, the part yes. where I can see what I can be proud of. Um, and it kind of, it, there's that extra step of taking it out of our heads and putting it somewhere else in the outside world where that really enables the reframing and, and I think helps us look at our lives in sometimes a healthier way. I, uh, I agree personally. I agree having been in your class now for over a year, how that has served me in, in unexpected ways, exactly the way you defined it. And you know, it is very different when you play the story over and over and over in one's head, and then you write about it and or read it out loud, there's a shift. And there's, for me, a different perspective. It gets a little more dimensional. And I I adore your classes. And I adore you. Thank you for being with us today. And I will see you in June. Okay. Thank you, Duchess. Thanks. It was so fun. All right. Thank you again, Sarah. I bet we all have at least one story to tell, and I encourage people to start telling that story or stories now. You can check out Sarah's website, her newsletter, her blog, maybe join one of her free classes. Contact her at sarahrowan.com, S-A-R-A-R-O-A-H-E-N.com memories on the page and it supports what psychologist Rachel Sampson has written quote when we do the work to heal and make sense of our past to improve our mental health it doesn't only benefit ourselves it benefits each other our children future children and our children's children this is how we change the world end quote and I believe that we can change the world by telling our story that's how we rewire. And another thing that is helpful to rewire our story, our brain, is to dun, 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 dance. 
dance? Yes, dance. Now, I know many of you may not feel comfortable dancing. You feel awkward. Some of you may not be as physically fit and able to dance. Chair dancing counts. But turn on some music that enlivens you, maybe an oldie but a goodie, and dance. We've been dancing for centuries for celebration and as an expression of joy long before science has now proved that dancing helps our memory, our strength, our balance. It also aids in the treatment of Parkinson's or Alzheimer's, and it definitely lifts anxiety and mood disorders. You don't have to be a premier dancer and nobody has to see you dancing. So whether you're alone or with a friend or you put on some particular video, dance. That dancing can change your brain chemistry. And I personally believe that if you change your thinking, perhaps rewire your brain, you can change your life for the better mentally, emotionally, and physically. Now rock on until we can reconnect and reframe and rewire together next week. Hi, this is Duchess, your host for Rewired. I wanted to remind you that this podcast is sponsored by the Aging and Long-Term Services Department of New Mexico. So if you need additional information or support for a loved one, a neighbor, or even for yourself, the people working in this department are ready to help out. You can go online and visit their very comprehensive website, aging.nm.gov, or call 1-800-432-2080. Inspiration, you've got all that imagination. So let-